Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Christina Matina, Senior Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. On this episode of Managed Carecast, we're talking with two co-authors of an original research article published in our January Health IT Special Issue. The study, Differences in the Use of Telephone and Video Telemedicine Visits During the COVID-19 Pandemic, describes patterns of telemedicine visits by patients' race, ethnicity, age, and language amid the pandemic in spring 2020. The authors joining us today are Dr. Jorge A. Rodriguez and Dr. Ashani Ganguly of Harvard Medical School and Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Welcome. Can you tell us about the objective of the current study and why you decided to investigate this topic? Sure. So in early 2020, we knew that the COVID pandemic forced health systems, clinicians, and patients to use virtual visits to this really unprecedented degree, right? And that included video and phone visits. We knew that video visits may have some benefits compared to phone, um, but they're also harder to set up. Um, And knowing that minority and older communities have historically been on the wrong side of the so-called digital divide, uh, we really wanted to understand how uh, certain populations fared in terms of access to video and phone visits during the pandemic. I think I'll, I'll add that, you know, for, for me, that, that point about the digital divide was particularly striking, having uh, done some work previously on other areas of digital health, like patient portals and mobile apps, I knew coming into it, that there were these already these disparities that existed amongst underserved populations. So I was particularly interested in seeing how this kind of rapidly emerging new technology, uh, telemedicine, would, you know, would or would not um, uh, reflect these same disparities I had, I had seen in the past. What were your main findings and were there any that surprised you? Yeah, so for this study, we used um, data from uh, Mass General Brigham, uh, which for those who don't know, is a large integrated health system with about uh, 16 member organizations in New England. We use EHR data and our the main thing we were looking for is to uh, determine predictors of video versus telephone visits. Um, we ended up looking at about 230,000 visits of both primary care and specialty care practices. Uh, and we specifically focused on the period between April 23rd and June 1st. And we did that kind of tactically. We knew that early on, uh, at least in our state, Massachusetts, the, you know, the, the first month or so when sort of a lot of the stay-at-home orders came into play, there'd be a lot of like people understanding how to pick up telemedicine. So we wanted to give a little bit of a buffer to, to make sure that people were, you know, were, were up and running with telemedicine. We ended up finding that around um, 65% of the visits were telemedicine visits. And about it was about evenly split between telephone and video. And once we compared um, uh, video uh, and telephone visits, we found that patients who were um, older, so 65 years or older, Black, Hispanic or Latinx, Spanish-speaking, non-patient uh, portal users, or from areas with low broadband access, were much less likely to use uh, video visits. And one thing that uh, was particularly striking was the fact in, in some of our further modeling that we did is that actually, rather than purely patient uh, characteristics. A lot of the practice and clinicians determined, you know, whether you ended up getting a video or a uh, telephone visit, which was which was quite surprising to us. Uh, that's well said, Jorge. I, w- I would just add that it was pretty shocking as well to see just how quickly some of these differences merge, just, you know, weeks into the rapid scale up of, uh, of virtual care. 
uh, sort of a reminder of how sort of um, endemic these structural issues are that lead to uh, differences in who has access to video care. How do these findings contribute to our understanding of the digital divide and how it's been affected by COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that it really highlights and kind of brought to the forefront, I think leading up to the pandemic, there was sort of a, there was a lot of talk around kind of technology equity and, and kind of treating technology access as a social determinant of health. And by technology access, I really mean one, not only access to the internet, but you know, what type of and speeds of internet did you have access to, you know, having access to a device. And then beyond that, can you actually meaningfully engage with that, right? It's one thing to have internet, one thing to have device, but do you actually have the digital literacy to actually be able to, to engage meaningfully with it? So I think it just it just brought it to the to the forefront even more quickly. We sort of saw it coming slowly and it just it just made it uh, obvious that this is this is an area that we really have to focus on as a healthcare system if we really view technology um, and and a lot of the patient facing technology as sort of these these key tools to provide care. Uh, I would add, you know, we talked about how it's that the variation in um, use of video versus phone is really driven largely by the clinics and the clinicians um, that were offering it. Um, and it really uh, brings home this idea that there is, it is an important locus of control to consider when thinking about uh, policy changes. Um, and so, you know, specifically, it's, you know, are, are patients who are in these minority communities uh, largely going to practices that haven't had the infrastructure or the ability to offer the video visits compared to other practices? Um, and so we should be focusing on those clinics as well. How do gaps in telemedicine access relate to the disparities we see in both chronic disease and COVID-19 outcomes? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, they, they follow those disparities. A lot of the disparities that we're seeing in chronic disease and COVID-19 outcomes existed before the pandemic, and then they just were just, you know, worsened in this extreme setting. So I think it's just reflective of kind of like poor poor access overall among certain certain communities. Um, and I think to, to highlight again, that even when we look at just technology equity and access to all these different health technologies, we also see the similar patterns. If, if you look at you know data from pre-pandemic, whether it was telemedicine, whether it was patient portals or mobile apps, you'd find similar similar findings, similar patterns to what we highlighted here. Because to some extent, it just, you know, this, this period of time, unfortunately highlighted, you know, a lot of the, the gaps we already knew were there, that were there, just kind of became a little bit more more striking, um, but I think to some extent it gives us gives us a place to start. To now that now that people are really focusing on it and, and talking about it, it gives us sort of a, a foundation to kind of build off of and try to address these going forward. So as you mentioned, internet access is not enough to ensure that patients can use video visits. So with that in mind, what are some policy and organizational steps that could promote more equitable access to telemedicine? Yeah, I'll say at the, you know, at the organizational level, it's really around, you know, sort of un, you know, measuring these things. It's sort of kind of borrowing from the, from the quality and safety world, right? If you, if you don't measure something, you can't change it. And so it's really looking at, at metrics sort of not just reporting, you know, are we using telemedicine? Are we not? It's sort of like, you know, who's using it across race and ethnicity, across age, across language, and really trying to identify it in, in a way that allows you to be a little bit more actionable once you've, you know, identified a gap. The other, the other consideration for organizations are to collaborate with a lot of community organizations, much like other social returns of health, these challenges around, you know, digital access and digital literacy, you know, are not necessarily going to be solved at, at the healthcare system level. We need to work all together. You know, one classic example is sort of libraries that have been working on, you know, digital access uh, for a long time. And, and even when I've talked to here, here locally, they've been doing a lot of work at libraries here in Boston. To try to uh, engage um, engage citizens uh, around this, and so I think it's it's important as a healthcare healthcare system to 
reach out to those organizations locally. Um, and then the other thing I'll mention that an organization can do is really, you know, bring some sort of digital equity criteria when choosing a telemedicine vendor. You know, when, a classic example is like, how, you know, how easy does, you know, does uh, an interpreter integrate into the telemedicine visit? And I think ha having that question up front as you're deciding which vendor to go with um, will really kind of determine uh, a bit about how equitable your, your telemedicine implementation uh, will be. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll mention uh, more on the payer side is really just ensuring payment parity uh, across visit modality. I know there's been sort of some shift around whether, you know, how do, how do we handle payment for in-person versus telephone versus video? And to some extent, there's, there's a sense that telephone should be, you know, reimbursed at a, at a lower rate. And my general sense is what we've seen here is that in our current system, we start doing that, we'll exclude, you know, a, a significant portion of the population and, and, and probably the folks that need it, need it the most. I'd, I'd really encourage sort of payment parity across the board. Um, so there's a lot that can be done as, at the um, clinic level as well, right? So the clinics and um, clinicians need to establish workflows that allow um, easy transition to uh, different modes of virtual care for patients. And it's really critical to also meet patients where they are, right? So we talked about uh, differences in video versus phone use, but there, there are reasons why um, some patients in current state um, can't use uh, video visits. And some of them are, are not only about technology. There's also, you know, I've had patients who are frontline workers who, um, you know, are at work while they're doing their visit with me. Um, and the best they can do in that moment is a phone visit. And that is actually going to meet their needs just fine. Um, and so sort of being having that flexibility and making sure that payment, um, to Jorge's point, really supports that flexibility uh, to meet patients where they are, to give them the, the care they need at that moment um, is really critical. We also need to be really proactive um, to the extent that video visits are, are beneficial um, in helping patients get access to that. So um, that means signing people up for the patient portal um, in a visit. So I've, you know, I've spent some, some of my visits just sort of sitting with somebody and their smartphone and trying to get them uh, online. Um, and it's going to take more than just sort of making it available to everyone. It's going to take proactive effort by clinicians, by front desk staff to really make that happen. Are there any further research questions on telemedicine and disparities in particular that you'd like to see investigated? Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's a lot of great work to be done around uh, the implementation science uh, space, sort of like right, right now we sort of, you know, we've had implemented the best we could during the pandemic, but there's a lot of effort to be done. Like what, what are the best practices for implementing telemedicine in, you know, whatever setting to make sure, make sure it's equitable. One sort of topic area that's come up quite a bit or sort of um, kind of bouncing off of Ashani's point has been sort of this, this idea of like a digital health navigator, someone who takes on that role of like, I'm going to help you set up your phone and make sure you have internet access or set you up with the telemedicine platform being integrated as part of the clinics. And so like, does that work? How do we implement that effectively? How do we implement that across folks with different languages? So there's a lot of uh, tools and implementation and implementation science, I think that can really ensure that we identify what are the best practices so that we can then disseminate them across different settings. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other piece is the quality and outcomes research, right? So what is the quality of the care we're getting from telemedicine? How does uh, how do virtual visits fit into the larger um, sort of picture of care seeking in the outpatient setting? Um, so are we delivering effective care with, with virtual visits? Are we getting more or less low value care? So we know that in, you know, in-person visits, some of what we deliver um, like tests and treatments um, are of low value. Um, does telemedicine actually help us do less of that because it's harder to um, order or to um, act on a, a blood test or an imaging test when you're virtual? 
Um, so those are some of the questions that are going to be really important to understand. I'm also interested um, in this question of how um, virtual care fits into some of the sort of core principles of, of um, delivering primary care, for example. So um, does it contribute to continuity of care? Does it make it easier to access care? Um, and so these are going to be really critical to answer. For more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.